He certainly lit up the field so far in his first couple games with the Eagles. Thomas Castellanos, what has he done? We're going to talk about what he could bring to Boston College in his career. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome. This is Locked On Boston College. I'm your host, AJ Black. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase. All right, we're, we're in bye week. It's time to chill out. There's no games this weekend. I was actually just making a plan with my wife, and I was like, wait a minute, I don't have a game to cover this weekend. Sweet, we can do something. But now we have time to talk about the first half of the season. The first six games are in the books. So, the rest of this week, we'll be breaking down some of the ins and outs of those first six games. And with me to discuss Thomas Castellanos is Eagle Insiders, Mitchell Wolf. Mitch, how's it going? It's going well. Uh, we already have somebody in the comments who I was wondering if they would show up tonight when they uh, when we announced what the topic would be. Uh, I'm not sure if you can see it, but it's our friend Calvin Wilson, who uh, I believe coached and or trained Tommy Castellanos back in Georgia. So we had a bit of a back and forth earlier in Castellanos' career when uh, he had some uh, on-field behaviors that we weren't too happy about, but he has since cleaned that up. Um, and, I, and again, I want to reiterate this. This wasn't about us giving him a chance. And we'll talk about this pretty much for most of the episodes. He is for sure talented. We were just frustrated with some of his on-field antics, which he has very much cleaned up, and we're very much happy about that. And we're we're very happy with where with the direction he has turned his career, and it'll be interesting to see how he develops in the rest of this season. That's what we're spending most of the episode talking about. So let's kick it off, Mitch. So the, the, the season started off for Thomas Castellanos. He comes in to Boston college in August or, you know, early July, late July, whatever it was, but only starts practicing during the summer. And we start hearing buzz about him over, over camp. I'm, I'm at some of those, uh, you know, uh, media scrums where they're talking a little bit about it. And we're starting to hear that he's doing pretty well at camp. And I think both of us were like, well, maybe they'll just, you know, design some plays for him. You know, he'll be a good backup in case Moorhead gets hurt. And we're all kind of just like, yeah, you know, I don't expect him to, to, to take the reins this quick. And what happens? The first game, two drives. Emmett Moorhead looks skittish. Uh, the offense is all disjointed. Jeff Halfley pulls the rug and brings in Thomas Castellanos. He struggles. We don't need to go into that. We've done it a million times. We talked about how much he struggled in that game. Everyone, you know, it took him a little while. He got the offense going. And then it, it from there, it was off. You want to kind of go on from where it went from there? Yeah. And I, and even, I don't even, it's, I would even say, you know, struggling would be, I think a little much. Cause I think as the game work got on, he really turned it on and came up with some big explosive plays. And that's kind of what we've seen so far this season is that he definitely has that penchant for creating the big plays, both with his legs and with his arm. Um, you know, he's had some up and down performances, even just within games. Uh, some of his mistakes in terms of his interceptions have been very like just questionable throws, questionable decisions, given the situation of the game. Um, and some of those are also just the fact that, and I'm not, I feel like 
either people just don't know this or they, they've forgotten that this this is his first season as a starter. Uh, yeah. You know, back at UCF, he played in, I think, six games, didn't start or five games, didn't start any of them. Um, most of his action came in the end of a blowout against Temple. And weirdly, when he was thrown into the middle of the conference championship against Tulane on the road, which I, Frank was, even though the quarterback got hurt, it was a baffling decision to me to throw a true freshman out there in that situation. And naturally he struggled. And a lot of those same issues that I saw when I watched the limited uh, film I could get on him, they were present when he was beginning the year. And, you know, it's and another part of it is that he's coming from a, a super spread offense that, you know, the plays are called in from the sideline and a lot of it is screens or, you know, very simple plays that don't, you know, he's only reading half the field. He doesn't have to do a ton. Whereas coming to BC, and I, this is why he transferred here, is to run a more pro-style offense. And granted, I think the coaching staff has done a pretty good job of kind of creating a hybrid offense that is able to, that allows him to have some of those similar plays that he's comfortable running, but also challenging him with some more pro-style concepts that actually require him to read the field and, you know, make decisions. And I would say for the most part, he's done a pretty good job of that. You know, I think that, He's obviously had some mistakes here and there. You know, it, the interceptions I, I've been frustrated with because a lot of them just seem like, like, just why are you throwing there? It just seems very incomprehensible in the moment. Um, but, you know, I was I was rewatching some of the games, just kind of going back to refresh my memory, some of the throws and some of his decisions. And a lot of them, I mean, we're forgetting a lot of these throws are really high quality. And a lot, and there's a good amount of them that have been dropped. And this is something that we've talked about is that he has one of the highest, uh, you know, drop rates among FBS quarterbacks. I think it's now down to third in the FBS and it's still like 15, 16%, which is crazy. Um, so, you know, if you think even back to just the first few games uh, with the uh, NIU, Holy Cross and FSU, you think about, I mean, I'm sorry, Holy Cross, he didn't have any drops, but NIU and Florida state, um, you know, there were some Jaden Williams drops. There was the one in the slant kind of, I think it was in the two minute drill to end the half where he just dropped it in the middle of the field. You had Joseph Griffin drop it in the lower corner of the end zone. Uh, I think they eventually scored, but still uh, in the overtime, Joseph Griffin had a drop uh, on third down that would have converted against Florida state. Um, you had, you've had a lot of drops by George Takis, who has, you know, across over the middle of the field. That's what Castellanos has thrown there and Takis hasn't made the catch. Um, you know, Griffin's had some drops here and there. And even, um, I think this was this is this doesn't count against uh, Holy Cross, but he threw a touchdown to Joseph Griffin, and had Griffin not been interfered with, uh, that's probably a touchdown. And Castellanos reacted like he thought he threw a touchdown, but he did the uh, arrow celebration, which it was an incredible throw. So you know, if you kind of, I, I don't know if there's somewhere that tracks these kind of stats, but if you were to find a way to like say, if you could track like yardage lost from drops, even if you said like no yards after catch, and it's just from that point. You know, I feel like he would have hundreds of yards that have just lost by drops. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. And, and I think it just goes to say, like, you look at his stats and it's been tinkered with a little bit with, with drops, as you just said. Right. We've seen mm-hmm. a ton of that, but also at least two games now where it was designed to run the ball. One, because UVA couldn't stop the run and B, because they were playing in a monsoon against Army. Yeah. And I'm kind of throwing the army game out for the most part. Cause, and you know, you could say, Oh, you're, you're cherry picking, but I mean, really it was pouring rain. I mean, we saw him drop the ball and that that's a rain thing. And I, I, you know, I think with a bigger sample size, we can get into, Oh, you know, maybe his hands aren't, aren't big enough, but he's only had two fumbles on the year and they were both in the most, in the two most recent games. Um, but you know, I, I don't think that's been a major issue. 
Um, and again, like just because of how rainy it was. And by the time the rain stopped, it's like, no, we're just feeling really comfortable running the ball. Um, and maybe they just didn't like the pass looks they were getting. So they just kept going with it. So, you know, I get that. I'm not really taking the army game to account. Virginia, I would say definitely up and down, you know, yep. a few mistakes here and there. And I, I think again, you know, with those two defenses, we've seen how teams that drop into zone a lot more have given some trouble. And like I've said, you know, zone and especially zone blitzing teams that can give quarterbacks a little more trouble because you're having to read out the field more and really understand what the coverage is opposed to where it's just man, you say, okay, I just need to, you know, quickly go from receiver to receiver and find the open guy. And I know it's kind of the same thing for both coverages, but I think, I think you get my point. Whereas, you know, you need to be finding seams in zone where it's, whereas in man, it's just like, okay, that guy, he's too covered next and just go through your one-on-one matchups. And if the first three aren't there, he's going to scramble. Um, and again, zone typically better taking scrambles away. So I think we, you know, I think there's been ups, there's been downs. I think there's been more ups than downs in general. And also we, I think we need to remember that this guy is still pretty young. You know, he's only made five starts um, and, you know, only two on the road, one of them in a monsoon. So, you know, I think that we need to give him a little bit of grace for, you know, some of these mistakes. And like I've said, I feel like in most of these games where he has made mistakes early, he has come back and, you know, played through them and, you know, not really made the same mistake twice. And and you're, you're jumping on this from a statistical and kind of like a football perspective, even from a fan perspective. What, the other thing he brings is excitement. He's just, fun oh, yeah. to, he's fun to watch. Yeah. Um, and everyone was wondering after last year, who's going to replace Zay. And, you know, obviously no one's going to replace Zay, but Castellanos makes moves that are elite and you don't see a lot of, and in a moment, we're going to talk about what his ceiling could look like because, Right now, he's he, maybe we're just scratching the surface. Maybe he has hit a ceiling. Mitch and I are going to talk about what he could become in the next couple of years at BC. But before we do that, we have a, uh, a returning sponsor back here at Locked On, and it's our friends over at Prize Picks. Now, if you've not checked them out, Prize Picks is the most fun I've had winning up to 25 times my money this football season. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. Testing my skills on prize picks this football season is the most exciting way to play fantasy football. I tried it out. With the first prize picks reboot policy, your entries stay in every play, even if one of your players gets injured. For NFL games and college football top 25 matchups, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second half, that player is rebooted. Prize picks is the only daily fantasy platform with injury insurance. So players and stats... See the players and stats you're selecting. Highlight your winnings from prize picks. How fun is this to try this out? So you just need to go to prizepicks.com slash college and use code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com slash college and use code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prize picks. Also... Let's talk about our good old friends over at Game Time. Game Time is the place to go if you want to get your tickets. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event, whether it's theater, comedy, sports, or music. Game Time has it all. And the best part about Game Time, it's fast and easy to use, and you'll see what your seats look like. They have flash deals, so you know you're going to be getting the best prices, and everything is so easy to find. So download the Game Time app, create an account, and use promo code Locked On College for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem Locked On College L O C K E D O N C O L L E G E for twenty dollars off. I use this for the BC game against 
Um, Virginia last week took my entire family, got all my tickets on game time, was able to find where to get my tickets where I thought it would be covered by rain, was able to find it. It was perfect. I would recommend game time to everyone. So download game time today with last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. This is locked on BC. I'm your host, AJ black. And we are talking about our friend, Thomas Castellanos. And we were discussing his first five games. Now, where does he go from here? We've seen him improve. I think that's the big thing. And, and his coach who's in our, our comment section or, or someone he knows is saying, you know, we didn't get, uh, we just needed to trust in his growth. He said, Calvin Wilson's uh, one of our commenters, but we've seen his growth already in five games. Mitch, let's talk a little bit about that. What do you think he could, could, could develop into? I mean, I think Calvin also, his next comment is a great point about just making plays with his arm with more consistency uh, to keep the offense in, in uh, keep the offense moving. And again, rewatching these plays, these plays, I think the big part of his success is also owed to the offensive line and how much better they've been this season, just because they give him so long to throw. And obviously you don't want your quarterback hanging in the pocket for three to four seconds. Um, that's kind of just not how offense is meant to run. But, you know, again, for a guy who is so young, you know, giving him that, easy foundation to work with. And then he, so give it, giving him a, a positive learning environment, essentially where he can, you know, try things out and grow and make mistakes. And, you know, obviously we don't see those mistakes minimized, but you know, it's, he has the room to operate. Whereas last year, you know, if he was playing with last year's offense, grand, he would have been much more interesting to watch scrambling, but uh, it would have been a lot tougher as a passer. But from what I've seen, I think that this bye week is going to be huge because I think this is going to refocus the offense on some of his strengths and plays he likes. You know, I remember hearing a lot of things about NFL quarterbacks, you know, when they're kind of in their pregame meeting, you know, th the coach has kind of put out a menu of plays and then the quarterback puts a dot or a check mark or a star next to the plays he likes and then you know, pick those out and those are the ones for the game plan. Um, but I think the one thing Tom Castellanos can do the most to progress is I think at this point he's still big game hunting a little too much. Um, He's just kind of trying to go for the kill shot a lot. Um, and, and I think, and, th and it's not always his fault. Um, you know, I think the offense could also do a better job of giving him some more check down options. Um, you know, whether that be the running backs out of the backfield or the tight ends or whatever. Um, but I think he just needs to say like, okay, like, and, and not necessarily just checking down by using his legs. Cause that is obviously also effective, but you know, I've seen a lot of plays where a receiver's open in the flat and, you know, he's going deep and sometimes those, those deep shots are open for sure. But other times he's messing and say, Hey, let's just, let's keep the offense on schedule. We don't need to be, you know, taking all these deep shots right now. So, you know, let, let the receivers get the ball and let them try to make plays in space. Um, and in terms of the rest of the, like what he can do um, just, you know, and a lot of this just comes with time and reps and that's just, you know, working on your footwork, working on your mechanics. You know, there were some plays early on where, uh, you know, he, be kind of just his footwork would just be wonky um, and that would usually cause an, ineff an ineffective or inaccurate throw. So that's, that's part of it. But in terms of kind of where he can go, I mean, I, I think the the arm talent is really impressive. And I think that if he does take these mental steps, uh, you know, again, just gets more reps, if the receivers can kind of really lock in and kind of stop having a lot of these drop issues. Um, I, th I mean, I think you can definitely see him being a, you know, one of the better quarterbacks in the ACC, probably a, a contender for, you know, an all ACC team, um, you know, and if, if the offense can continue to be built around him by keeping us keeping a good offensive line intact, obviously having this great running game is huge. Um, but you, you do want to see him, you know, maybe they can lean on lean away from the running game once he progresses more as a passer. And, you know, cause I mean, he really does have the arm talent to affect really all areas of the field. Um, so, you know, I think his ceiling is quite high, but it's just a matter of 
him being able to uh, make those, like, like Calvin said, make those throws consistently and make good decisions and make good decisions consistently. You know, we got to cut out some of these interceptions that he's made where it's, and some of them, I think he is trying to throw away. So it's, you know, it's just a matter of, Hey, you know, make sure you're putting that ball really far off the sideline. Don't even, you know, don't even give the receiver a chance, just get it out of there and we'll live to fight another day. What I think is most impressive about this whole run so far, and just, it's just been five games, right? Is I think we went it, we, you know, I think a lot of us were just thinking like Emmett Moorhead is going to be a good quarterback. We're, we're, I think Mitch and I talked ourselves into that, right? Mm-hmm. And we're just looking forward to seeing what he did. And to see a guy so far that has exceeded what we expected from Moorhead, I would say. I mean, it's pretty hard to say no, but like in just in terms of an offensive weapon, I mean, not as a thrower. Um, I, I've just been impressed so far with what Castellanos has brought in terms of just the overall package. And I think the the ability to adjust and to, to build his game has been so breath, you know, refreshing. The fact that we can go games where he throws 300 yards against Florida State. He throws 275 yards against Louisville. I know that game was a crapshoot, but he still threw the ball. And then, yeah, I, mean, every, then I feel like I saw a lot. It's like, oh, it's Louisville playing prevent defense. It's like, yeah, I mean, we say prevent defense, and and like, oh, that's that's taken if you can run the ball a lot during it. And he's, I mean, so you know, Louisville is dropping seven, eight guys in the coverage to make sure that BC can't pass the ball to come back. And he was able to pass the ball extremely effectively downfield. It wasn't like he was just throwing checkdowns over and over again. He was finding guys open down the field, and making some really nice throws. So, um, yeah. And, and I don't want to call out anyone in particular, but I saw someone um, arguing that he should be benched. Um, and I, I, I don't know what some certain, a certain subset of our, our fan base and media don't like him. And it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. I um, think that that's, that's just box score scouting, especially from the army game. And it's like, I mean, here, here's the deal. I like, watch him. Yeah, the the from what we've the little we've seen from Emmett Moorhead this season, um, he's still he's he was struggling a lot with accuracy um, and on pretty simple throws. You know, it's not like he was, you know, bombing huge passes downfield and missing them by a lot. It was like simple hitches and screens that he was missing by a pretty big margin. And you know, we've seen a few times where Castellanos does that too, where he's missing deep downfield and he he occasionally has the miss on a shorter route, but no matter what, you know, if without with, with more head on the field, you do not have this explosive running, uh, this explosive running threat that can both be from as a scrambler and a designed run uh, aspect, because having that quarterback that is able to be an, an integral part of your designed run game is a huge point uh, of emphasis for why this offense has been able to have, you know, pretty much any success in this part of the season. Right. And I, I think, I think he's going to, I'm really excited to see what his, his potential is going to be because he is, he, he has brought an energy back and we'll talk about in our final segment that I haven't seen at a quarterback position since Tyler Murphy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I see folks in the comment section saying he's very different than Tyler Murphy. And absolutely. We'll get into what that looks like though, with Mitch in just a moment. Now let's talk about our friends over at Jace. Jace is, I lost my read. Where the heck did it go? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, the Jace cases provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get a Jace case is to fill out a simple online form. And in some cases, jump on a quick call with one of our board certified physicians, get ongoing care from our physicians on any treatment related questions. Doctors created doctor recommended. 
So don't get caught unprepared. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. Jace handles everything from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy, medical delivery, and ongoing consultation and care. So get your $20 off from Jace Case. Go and get their life-saving antibiotics today by going to Jace Medical by using code LOCKEDON at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Make sure you do that today. So get $20 off on these life-saving antibiotics. Use Jace, J-A-S-E medical.com. Locked on BC, AJ Black here. I'm here with Mitch, and we are discussing Thomas Castellano. It's a whole episode dedicated to the quarterback. All right, Mitch, I, I, I put up some stats the other day. 2014, I was a season ticket holder for Boston College football, and I was there at U, the USC game. I remember watching Tyler Murphy rumble down the field to win that game. I, I I watched his ability to run the ball and said BC would never get another quarterback like that. BC's got a quarterback that's on track now to beat a lot of Murphy's records. If you look at his touchdowns, Murphy had 11 touchdowns running that year. Castellanos is at seven right now. He has 500 yards compared to Murphy's 11 something. So he's right on track. How do you think the, these two quarterbacks compare? I think some of the comments have said, you know, Castellanos is a lot shiftier, a lot more explosive with his agility. Uh, Mur- Murphy was more of a straight line guy. I-, I would agree with that assessment. Um, but they are used in a lot of the same schemes. Um, a lot of the jet motion into the uh, power read or inverted veer option. Uh, we see we've seen a ton of that. Um, a lot of GT counter uh, with the with the quarterback as the other option. Um, so you know we're seeing a lot of similar plays with Murphy. Um, the overall thing I'll say is that in terms of them being a, as a, a quarterback as a whole. Mur- Castellanos is pretty much where Murphy was as a graduate transfer and mm-hmm. Castellanos is a, is a true sophomore. You know, he's only started a handful of games. Um, I would say that Mur- he has more arm talent and uh, than Murphy probably ever did. And I would say their accuracy is about equal. So I, I went and looked at um, their uh, actually, they, I was happy that PFF had the stats for Murphy back in 2014. Um, so in 2014, Murphy completed 55, 55.5% of his passes. Right now, Castellanos is completing 57.2. If you adjust their completion percentage, so for drops, throwaways, hit his throws, um, Murphy's completion percentage was 71.8, and Castellanos's is 70.5. Now, I would also like to point out that when I when you look at the difference between completion percentage and adjusted completion percentage, Castellanos has the... Uh, let me see. I have it. Where is it? Uh, the, the tied for the 13th biggest gap between their adjusted completion percentage and the regular completion percentage at 13.3%. So, you know, one of the most affected by drops and what have you. And actually, interestingly, in that 2014 year, Murphy was the victim of 22 drops, which was 14.4%. So I think that, you know, like I said, I think he's already as just as good, if not better, of a pass than Murphy in terms of the running. Um, I definitely agree. Like Murphy is a little more powerful just because he's bigger. I think he was like 6'1", 215. Castellanos is 5'10 on a good day, 190 on a good day. Um, I mean, he's built, but I just don't think he's that big. Um, and you can see that in the yards after contact per attempt. And even so, like uh, Castellanos is still good at creating those. So Murphy in 2014 averaged 3.21 yards after contact per attempt. And Castellanos is currently averaging 3.14. But if you also look at their missed tackles forced, so in 13 games, Tyler Murphy forced 33 missed tackles through six six games. 
Castellanos has already forced 28 missed for missed tackles. Wow. So <laughs> it's that's a pretty incredible stat to already have in like less than halfway through the season. Um, in terms of their, you know, and, and obviously both are explosive threats. Uh, through in 2014, Murphy had 43 rushes of 10 plus yards and 19 rushes of five plus 15 plus yards. And currently, Castellanos has 20 10 plus and nine 15 plus. So he's on his way to you know get those numbers if not uh, and surpass them. And PFF has a signature stat called the elusive rating, which they measure basically how much can a runner create after a uh, uh, independent, uh, sorry, I'll read it off. A PFF signature stat measuring success and impact of a runner with the ball independently of the blocking. And Castellanos, his elusive rating is 92.8, whereas Murphy's was 40.7. And currently Castellanos is among quarterbacks with uh, at least 20 rushing attempts. That is the ninth highest elusive rating among uh, quarterbacks in the FBS with at least 20 rushes. So as people have said, like a lot more elusive and able to create kind of outside of the structure. Um, so I Tyler think Murphy just ran people over. Yeah. And, and he definitely just had the straight line speed to take it anywhere. And I, I still think Castellanos has that as well. And again, you know, assuming we kind of see a general again, not always, but general upward trend for him as a passer. Um, and, uh, you know, he continues to, you know, just keep doing this as a runner. Uh, ideally you get Ozzy Trapilo back in the lineup. Uh, that'll help even more with the blocking because Trapilo has been great as a pass blocker and a run blocker this year. So that'll help out a good bit. And, you know, I think we'll talk about this later in the week or just kind of uh, or into next week as well. Uh, you know, BC's got a pretty good looking schedule in the back half. And, you know, even though the season has obviously had its low points, the bowl eligibility is very much in the cards for this team. Right. And I was, that's going to be kind of our next discussion. So, Mitch, we're going to wrap things up. We had a, a 25 minutes of discussing Thomas Castellanos. Um, tomorrow on our show, we have a special guest. You want to introduce who we're going to have on? Yeah, so this is a person that whose work that I've followed a lot. Um, his name is Parker Fleming, and he is known on Twitter as at Stats of War. Uh, he works for he maintains the website CFB-Graphs.com, and I get a lot of my um, advanced statistics from there. I also always retweet he he always tweets a advanced statistic preview of every matchup every week, and I always re- retweet his for BC. Um, it has a lot of good information about EPA uh, success rate and some other cool statistics that uh, I don't know if he's created them or he's, you know, found them and compiles them for college, but um, he does a really great job. We're going to have him on the show tomorrow. And I'm really excited to kind of, we'll, we'll kind of talk about how, what, what, what we have seen from BC football um, and then how that meshes with what the stats tell us and kind of where BC is doing their best and then where they need to improve uh, to kind of, you know, win the second half of the season, if you will. All right. So Mitch, where can people find your work? You can find me at Mitchell T Wolf, W O L F E on Twitter. And uh, for the rest of this week, uh, I'm going to be trying to find some interesting angles by rewatching the BC games. Um, Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to get the army one on YouTube. Uh, There is one right now, but I don't know exactly who made it, but it's uh, looks like it was basically uh, made by a person recording one corner of the screen on a camcorder. Uh, well, and then using that as a YouTube video for the game, which is crazy. Um, but looking, we'll be looking back at some of the things BC's done well this season, uh, some specific plays that I want to highlight. And then, you know, maybe focus on, we'll also like kind of do a whole advanced statistic profile of BC to show like, okay, this is where they're doing relative to the rest of college football. All right. Thanks, Mitch. You can find me on Twitter at AJBlack247. I'll be joining the, the conversations, of course, tomorrow. Uh, and go check us out on Eagle Insider. We have hockey stuff. We've got 
uh, updates for the Georgia Tech game. It's going to be a noon start next week. Uh, so uh, that's another early game for BC. Uh, we will have more info as the week goes on. Um, and make sure to follow us on Twitter and on the site. Thank you all so much. And for all you listeners who make us our make Locked On BC your everyday, thank you as well. You are the lifeblood of this podcast. And for all of you who have uh, subscribed to us on YouTube, you're the best as well. For Mitch, this is AJ. We will see you all again tomorrow for another special episode of Locked On BC. See you again soon.